This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, welcome back, welcome back. I do hope you're enjoying this special Sustainable-ish parenting mini-series which is running all this week to celebrate the launch of the Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting, which excitingly is my new book that is coming out on Thursday. You can find it anywhere you usually buy your books, and there's more about what's in it and who it's for in episode 93 if you want to go and have a listen to that. So far this week, I have chatted to Ellie Jackson, author of the Wild Tribe Heroes book series, about how we can talk to our kids about the climate crisis and empower them to take action. And yesterday, I was chatting to Rachel Boyette, author of Little Veggie Eats, about getting our kids on board with eating more veggie meals. So today, I am excited to be chatting to Charlotte Morley, founder of The Little Loop, the UK's first rental marketplace for kids' clothes. Did you know... Renting your children's clothes reduces their water and carbon footprint by around three quarters. Research has shown that if we extend the life of all our clothes by just three months, it could reduce the UK's carbon footprint, the whole UK's carbon footprint, by around 10%. How mad is that? And renting absolutely smashes this out of the park because children's clothes have the potential to be rented out four or five times which is another 9 to 12 months of wear on top of what they'd normally get, and it reduces their production footprint by 75%, and their overall carbon footprint, which includes washing, shipping and disposal, by 63%. And, on top of all that, it can save us time, money and all that storage space that our kids' clothes can take up. Charlotte and I chat about the impact that our kids' clothes are having on the planet, how renting them works, and she shares some great tips for stain removal and repair, something she's got very familiar with. Enjoy. Hello, Charlotte. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jen. It's absolutely lovely to be here. Now, you've turned your camera off because uh, your connection's a bit dodgy, but um, I was just saying, how do you manage to look so glamorous? But yeah, apparently you're saying it's all in the hair. <laughs> it's definitely all in the hair. I literally, I don't think I've worn makeup more than about five times that a whole of lockdown. It just doesn't seem worth it. And actually I'm saving like from a sustainable perspective, yeah. I'm saving so much like plastic and yeah. so much stuff. It's great. I love it. <laughs> now, before we kick off, you might hear just as Charlotte and I started talking, there's a hailstorm outside. So you might hear some uh, rain noise. 
you probably also just heard the dog get out of her basket then click clack across the floor and you might hear my kids yelling if anybody so for <laughs> listeners of the podcast apologies for the background noise but this is the realities of trying to record a podcast in in lockdown with kids at home and all that sort of thing so hopefully everyone will be sympathetic to that um but charlotte can you introduce yourself Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Charlotte um, Morley, and I'm the founder of The Little Loop. And we, I guess we describe ourselves as the first revolving closet for kids. But essentially, we're a rental service for children's clothing. Amazing. And I, was, I don't know why I have to keep saying this. I, I don't know who I was saying I was talking to you. And, uh, and I was like, oh, they do a rental baby service. And I was like, no, it's not a rental baby, is it? That's, <laughs> you really don't want a rental baby. Well, maybe we do want a rental baby, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, no, I used to describe ourselves as the first rental service for kids. And someone <laughs> actually emailed me and said, you really don't want to do that because you look like you're renting children. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'd never thought about it like that before. So yeah, you're quite right. And it's, we go all the way from 18 months up to seven years. So, uh, so yeah, the baby thing as well, we, you know, that's being done really well. Um, and we really wanted to do something a bit different because a lot of people said to us that, you know, secondhand clothing started to dry up when their kids got to a certain age. Mm. So, yeah, we're trying to offer something for, for people with older children as well. So talk to us a bit about, um, we had uh, Zoe Edwards on the podcast a few weeks ago and she's with her book, um, Mend It, Wear It, Love It, Talk. And she touched, you know, well, we talked quite a bit about fast fashion. And I guess that once we sort of start to think about fast fashion, we think about the clothes that we're buying and the clothes that we're wearing as adults. And I feel like sometimes we forget that the same fast fashion principles probably, or you can tell us, do they apply to children's clothes as well? Yeah, I think they can do. And I think probably to a lesser extent than they do to adults, because I think the marketing isn't pushed on parents in quite the same way. You know, there isn't a boohoo for kids. But having said that, you can go to the supermarket and you can pick up a pack of vests for a fiver. And I think a lot of people do that, not really necessarily needing them. Or Uh I won't mention any high street names, but there are high street retailers where they will sell you a baby T-shirt for four pounds. And you're like, oh, go on, I'll just buy another one. So, yes, it does exist. Not quite as I would say it's not quite as um, cynical as it is for adults. You know, there, as I say, there's no kind of boohoo or misguided really like shoving it down your throats. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is there is a huge amount of waste in the children's clothing industry because people buy too much. Mm, yeah, actually, that's such a good point. I went to a, a nearly new sale last year. It must have been. I don't know if it was the beginning of last year. Clearly, it wasn't um, any point after March because I've got like a reusable party kit and I went to sort of advertise that to the people that were going to the nearly new sale. And I just, I want to say I was surprised. I I was actually, I was gobsmacked at the amount of stuff that people had, the amount of clothes that, you know, and they they sort of obviously bundled it all up to come and to sell at the nearly new sale. But honestly, just probably hundreds of items of clothing for, for one or two children. And as you say, when they think something's four quid or you can get a pack of vests for five. and people love to give you clothes as well don't they for your kids and just ending up with the the volume of clothes that you end up with is just mind-blowing isn't it yeah completely and it's exacerbated of course by the fact that of course kids are growing so mm. there's the necessity to buy them new clothes as well which means somehow it's and it is it's justified and um, I'm, I'm like and and you're a parent and parenting is hard I've got two children a four-year-old and a two-year-old and it's tough and honestly thinking and planning in advance what you want to buy and 
some people are amazing and they'll buy you know seasons in advance and they'll really plan it but the reality is most people end up buying on a whim mm-hmm. and oh you know my I was about to swear I won't swear um, oh heavens you know they've grown again yes and you end up buying kind of impulsively and you end up buying what's available at the time yeah and then often you don't necessarily love what you've bought so that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't get worn and all of it mounts up to this situation where people don't mean to do it but they end up with closets full of outgrown baby clothes because they're constantly growing parents Mm. don't have time to deal with them you just keep shoving them in a cupboard and shoving them in a cupboard and then you come and open that cupboard one day and you go oh my god (laughs) what am I going to do with all of this I rent my own kids clothes obviously because it's my business but I've only just started renting for my young because my youngest is only eight is just 18 well she's just two um so I've just literally done this the last time for her and god it's so stressful having to deal with those piles of clothes and thinking Mm. I don't want to throw them away I do want to give them to charity, but right now the charity shops aren't open. And Uh also, are they going to take everything? It takes so long to list things for sale and secondhand sites. Ah, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, And there's some, you know, crazy stats out there about, I think it's 183 million garments of just baby clothes. This isn't even kids clothes stashed in cupboards. It literally could clothe 6 million children. So imagine if we had kept all of that in circulation and if there was a a great system for making sure that you never had to stuff things into cupboards because there was somewhere for it to go to Mm. and hence the little loop. (laughs) All of these clothes. So you said that although the sort of fast fashion side of it maybe isn't so sort of rammed down our throats, but all of these clothes are made somewhere by somebody you know, presumably it's the same factories that are making our adult clothes. And so presumably we're still faced with issues of women working in really poor conditions and not being paid living wages and things being unsafe. And and then all the, the sort of environmental aspects of fabric production and things, presumably all those things still apply, even though it's on a smaller scale. With those brands which don't have great practices and a lot of the high street brands don't, that is what's happening. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And they're actually doing it on, on tiny little clothes. Imagine doing the detailing on yes. those tiny, tiny little clothes. Very, very difficult. I think, you know, the good news is there are some fantastic brands out there who are using ethical factories and who are, you know, really making sure that they're all over their supply chain and making sure that's not happening. But unfortunately, yeah, Jen, you're absolutely right. You know, the majority of the big high street names where a lot of parents are still getting their kids' clothes and the supermarkets are not really guaranteeing that the Mm. the workers' rights um, and also the kind of sustainability of the the production of the cotton are being protected. And so how many garments did you say were shoved into cupboards? 183 million. So they're all sat there in the cupboards. And if they're not being passed on and they're not being used, that is literally a waste of those resources, isn't it? All those resources, all that carbon, all that water that's gone into growing those that cotton and to dyeing it and to producing it and then all that work that those poor people have had to do in those horrific conditions that is literally just sort of sat there being wasted isn't it so as you say if we can come up with ways to keep those clothes in use I guess there'll be some people thinking well you know other than the that's a waste of resources does it does it really matter because if I pass them on to charity shops or I pass them on to friends or does it really matter if I've got a few too many kids clothes I mean, the, th- the thing is, these things are never quite as black and white as that. Mm. So if you think about you've bought something from a cheaper brand 
so my, my business partner, Susie, um, she was head of women's wear at Bowdoin and she wow. worked on kids wear at Bowdoin. And so she knows a huge amount about the retail industry and she's really helped me to understand this better. And the way that they keep the costs down is not just not paying the workers well enough, but they also really pull back on the quality of the clothes. So mm. things like, for example, you can double stitch seam, or I didn't even know this, but when you're stitching a seam, you can put a knot in every six stitches. So oh, wow. that so that if this if the seam starts to come unravel mm. the unraveling will stop yes at at the sixth stitch and in order to keep prices down they don't do that yeah so what you're doing by buying cheaper fashion is the quality is reduced mm. and therefore it won't last as long so it's still taking the same amount of cotton and mm. carbon dioxide and water to make those garments but they're not going to last as long and they're not going to have as much life and therefore it's even more of a waste than if you know you'd at least bought something which was high quality and you passed it on because you're going to it could potentially be passed on many many more times and I think a lot of people don't understand this and it's because it's quite complicated and nuanced but recycling is not the panacea that people Mm. think so you know like you say with children's wear people are generally brilliant at hand-me-downs and I think a lot of the resistance we've had from people is saying well we yeah like you say we hand we hand clothes down but if you're not careful, clothes, first of all, they lose they lose value, perceived value, as soon as they become a hand-me-down. So then people don't treat them as well. So they're more likely to get damaged and, and end up in the recycling. So if they're cheaper garments, they're not as good quality. So they're more likely to get damaged and end up in the recycling. And people think, well, it's okay, I'm recycling it. Or I've given it to a charity shop, so it's fine. But if that garment's only had two or three wears, then like you say, the carbon dioxide and water mm. that's been used has not been, it could have gone on and, and been used for so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so trying to keep clothes in circulation for as long as they possibly can be. And we think, we genuinely think that that's up to two years of continuous wear for a garment. So as in, you know, it's, it's the thing that you're putting on at least once or twice a week yeah. rather than it's hanging in a cupboard you know we genuinely think garments should be able to last that long so um but it's making sure that the quality is baked in and that people are treating them well etc etc yeah so and and like you said that you know recycling isn't this sort of panacea also I think we can be a little bit guilty of using charity shops as a bit of a panacea for sort of our continued overconsumption because we think well it's okay I'm giving it to the charity shops and actually I'm assuming that whether the stats are similar in children and baby clothes I'm not sure but apparently with adult clothes only 10 to 30 percent of clothes that are donated to charity shops are actually sold on kind of within the UK and within within that charity shop our perception I think when we donate it is that you know carol down the road or come and see it and like it and she'll buy it Um, but actually probably what's happening and especially if it's poorer quality especially if it's got a little mark on it or it's missing a button or something it will just go off on the textile rag trade and get um you know shipped thousands of miles across the globe and then kind of overwhelm countries overseas. Again, it's a, you know, it's probably quite a boring message, but it is about slowing down the consumption and slowing down the buying, isn't it? Yeah, like a thousand percent. And and making a system in which people can afford to buy those quality garments, Mm. even like obviously rental's my thing, but you know, if you buy something that's great quality, like you say, if it goes to charity, or it gets resold, then people are more likely yeah. to take care of it and to hopefully then sell it on again or give it to someone again because it was obviously a beautiful garment in the first place and it's lasting longer. 
And God, I am not about making parents feel guilty because <laughs> I know how hard it is to be a parent. And have I bought things at the till at the supermarket? Yes, of course I have. But, you know, those things that you just grab on a whim, like, oh, that's a cute T-shirt with unicorn yeah. sequins on. And then like two weeks later, your child says, I don't like sequins anymore. Yes. And you oh, well, it only costs three quid. So I'll send it to the charity shop. Yeah. Instantly that starting off that cycle of, you know, that that garment is basically going straight to landfill because... Yeah you know, maybe someone else will wear it. But as soon as the sequins start to come unraveled, they can't. And because it's got sequins on it, it can't be recycled because it would right. be too difficult to separate all of the materials. And it's just wow. an example. But I think it's just about conscious consumption, Jen. And yeah. I think it's about thinking before you buy. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can't afford the better quality brands. Mm. I get it. Like I didn't buy much full price from the better brands yeah. and particularly the brands that we stock because it always seemed like so much money. Yes. Um, but but now I do understand that there's so much more in that. And if you can resell it or if you rent mm. it so cheaper in the first place, then you're getting that quality yourself. You're getting the joy from it. And you also know that that garment's much more likely to go on and, and reach its full potential. And that thing you were just saying about sequins, I'm sure... I can't remember where I read this. It might be, I'm just looking on my bookshelf. Um, Lucy Siegel's got a book about fast fashion called To Die For. And I'm sure she says in there that actually, if you've got garments with sequins on, there's quite a high likelihood that children will have sewn those sequins on because they're so fiddly. And so they've got quite sort of nimble little fingers. And just the thought that someone else's child has been sewing a sequin on a t-shirt so that my child can wear it for two times before they go, I don't like sequins anymore. Just breaks my heart it's just awful isn't it it's horrendous and I think I you know and again this is I think a lot of people just don't even understand that sequins are generally hand sewn yeah yeah I mean, yeah mind you think this is a cheap garment so it must all have been done by machine and you just think that you just think there's this big sequin machine that you sort of you know you grab and you you sort of plunge it down and all the sequins are suddenly on there in the right thing but they're hand sewn on aren't they yeah yeah exactly and that's it like you, you, we said at the beginning that fast fashion isn't the problem in in the same way that it is for adults but there are brands and even some quite good brands who generally have quite good practices who think, well, the latest trend is for sequins. So mm. we use the top with sequins. And, you know, there was that trend for sequins where when you brush them one way, that's right. Yeah. The and every child was wearing these things. And, you know, they, they were very cute. And I, you know, I, I don't judge people's kind of choices in that, in that sense, but I just don't think those brands in putting those out there yes. for people, because as soon as a brand that's particularly a big, well-known brand does something, people think, Oh, well, that's okay then. It yeah. must have been made yes. properly. And yeah. so it's all right for me. And then everybody starts to buy them. And so it's kind of, this is where it, it takes, you know, we can't always just focus on the consumer and their choices because of course we're going to be influenced to do mm. things that other people are doing. And, and we're going to take that kind of validity from the fact these big brands are doing it. It's where brands have got to step up and take responsibility and say, you know what, we're not going to jump yeah. on the trend because it's the wrong thing to do. I genuinely used to think if I'd even stopped and think about it, that, my clothes were made in a factory and that it was all an automated process and that there might have been a couple of people you know making sure the machines weren't breaking but that that it was just some kind of I don't know you put fabric in at one end and a and a t-shirt comes out the other end I don't know quite how I thought it happened but this idea that there's women usually women sat there doing these things but also this idea that well okay you know oh you know five quid for three baby grows or whatever does does feel quite cheap but it must be okay for them to be doing it. They wouldn't be allowed to do it if it was wrong or if they were hurting yeah. people or whatever. And, and I just, 
And I think so many of us think that, well, it must be okay because they're allowed to do it. And then you realize that there's nobody going around checking these things and checking that they're that things are as they should and people are being paid properly. And you, I feel like there's, you know, a government official somewhere, but there's not. No, and, and the most dangerous thing is it affects the benchmarks we have in our own mind for the value of things. Mm. So, you know, actually, if you look at some of the slightly more expensive organic brands and, and we, the ones that we rent because they're amazing quality, like Frugi, like Kite, mm. the value of those clothes is what it actually costs to make these yes. things. We work with an amazing union, Alice, the founder, recently did um, something on social which broke down the cost of making her dungarees. And wow. she said, no, we simply can't. This is how much they cost. And, and the reason that people are asking her to do them cheaper is because the high street brands can yeah. do them cheaper. But they do that because they're producing at massive scale, mm. because they're not using ethical factories to produce the cotton to manufacture yeah, the garments. Yeah. But of course, as soon as people see that every high street can manufacture something at that cost, mm. they think that's the value. And yes. it's just not true. You know, the true cost is what yeah. those ethical manufacturers are charging. They are not pricing as garments up to a massive margin on yes. them. Sure, there's a margin baked in, of course, their businesses. But, you know, not not so they're not doubling them. They're not charging you more than yes. they're worth relative, you know, really. And, and actually, th- this came ahead to me the other day. I was thinking about I can't remember what I'd spent money on. Maybe it was a coffee. And it's a classic, isn't it? To go to a coffee shop and be chinos and two coffees costs you something like 15 quid. And yet to spend 15 pounds on a t-shirt, people go, oh, yes. 15 pounds on a child's t-shirt, God, that's expensive. But the tiny little bit of coffee and the hot water that went in, mm. you, you don't even question it because that's the, you know, that's the norm for coffee. Yes. And it's our value, our value system has just got so thrown out. It's just warped. <laughs> really. Yeah, no, it is mad. But I guess one of the, um, you know, even if someone's like, yes, yes, I'm really on board. I really understand all these issues around, you know, fast fashion and what's happening in the industry. And I really feel uncomfortable about that. It can feel enough of a sort of ouch when we're looking at grown up ethical clothes, the price difference. But we know that we're not going to hopefully grow out of them, depending on how long lockdown goes on for, you know, and that we're going to get our wear out of it. Whereas, as you say, because children are growing so quickly, I think sometimes there's even more of a, oh God, you know, if I time this wrong, they could be out of this in three months and I've just spent 20 quid on a pair of trousers or whatever. So it's, you can understand why. And, you know, I I was exactly the same when the kids were little, before I learned all of this stuff, I'd be doing the supermarket shop and just, oh God, yeah, no, I'll just chuck the next size of baby grows in or the next, oh, like you say, oh, that jumper's got a dinosaur and they're really into dinosaurs at the moment. And you don't even, we don't even think about it, do we? No, no, I, I completely agree. And I have been there. And my ambition for my business has always been that even if you took the sustainability away, it would still make sense to mm-hmm. do what we do, because it's making it easier for parents, and it's making it more cost effective for parents. And then you layer in the sustainability, and you're also taking away the guilt for parents. Mm. Because, you know, there's so many financial pulls and draws on you children are growing out of their clothes so quickly so it seems like a waste of money even if you know yes. that that is the value of it yeah when when literally sitting down with this problem and I li- kind of had these problems all sitting around me it was like how do I unpick how do I answer that that mm. question of like yeah, it's worth that much money but it's a waste to me because I'll grow out of it how do I solve the problem of they're going to grow out of it every three to six months for it's an absolute pain in the ass mm. and time how do we layer in the you know that that uh, convenience and then on top of it and how do I take away the guilt yeah. that is associated with the kind of concern of clothes 
that's why it's it's so hard to yeah. get right because there are these kind of competing issues that parents are dealing with so how does it actually work then if we're if we're like yeah this sounds really awesome I'm quite intrigued to find out more about renting <laughs> clothes how does it actually work and um, well, I suppose the best way to think about it is a bit like a one in one out system so if, I think if you have the perfect wardrobe for kids you'd be like right they've grown out of that so I'm going to replace it directly and, and mm-hmm. you know you'd have a way to just not replace it with exactly the same thing but you, you know you'd be a able to contain your jeans, wardrobe and you'd yeah. something like that but you know they need around about 15 items kind of on constant circulation or maybe a few more for it so you know it's a one in one out system so that's how we tried to build it which is you rent exactly what you need and then as soon as you either you get fed up of it because let's be honest we all do think you know things after about three months they start to get a little bit less shiny and yeah. I don't mean physically shiny I mean kind of perception wise yes, yes. and so they'll sit in the drawer for longer um or hang in the back of the wardrobe so either you get fed up of it or they grow out of it or the seasons change or a another reason you literally send it back and you swap it for something else okay. um so it's it's designed to be as simple as possible and as flexible as possible so you can choose exactly what you want to. So if you want to have 10 t-shirts, you can have 10 t-shirts. If you want a snowsuit, a coat and a pair of trousers, you can have that. Um, And then you can swap them whenever you want to. So anytime, and you can swap one item, four items, six, you know, as many as you want to. So it's designed to be very flexible and very easy. And the garments come to parents in a reusable mailing bag which you keep and then when you want to send clothes back you send them back in the same bag so we're minimizing our packaging waste but also just making it really easy and yeah I think as I say what was really important to us is that we weren't asking parents to compromise in Mm. order to be sustainable so you don't have to compromise on choice we've got the best brands so we've Frugi, Kite, Little Green Radicals, Jujuni We've just signed three amazing ones. I can't talk to you about they've not signed their contracts. It's so frustrating, but three amazing new brands, all like Scandinavian or British. Uh, Two of them are British and and, and British made, organic, ethical. So you have clothes from all of those brands and you can even choose what condition. So you can either choose to rent brand new clothes and they cost you relatively slightly more, or you can choose um, worn before, but we call it gently worn or clothes which we call well loved which are a lot cheaper and so if you want to rent for nursery then you choose well loved clothes because you know but if you want to rent for an occasion you can choose brand new yeah and and that's that's it in a nutshell so we hope it works and I think you know our customers are fantastic and really good at giving us feedback and they all say it's just made their lives so much easier because they don't need to think anymore yes that for me is like the, the sustainability side of it is brilliant for me. Yeah. That's that's dr- that what drove it is there should be an 83% carbon and water saving wow. through renting than buying compared to buying new. Even compared to buying secondhand, it's a 66% no saving. Way. Yeah. Wow. Um, so so sustainability wise, I'm you know really happy to have been able to create this system yeah. and that was drove it. But actually, when I hear parents say, You've made my life easier, mm. thank you. That's like best. And I think the thing I like is that, like you said, those brands, um, you know, and, and when my kids fitted into them, I just used to love Frugi because, as you say, the quality, the difference in quality is just completely, you can't even imagine it. You know, like I've got two boys, they're very hard on their clothes and, and their trousers and, you know, they just always be going through the knees and things like that. But 
the Frugi stuff, you know, it's it's not only lasted to go from older brother to younger brother, but then also on to cousins and stuff as well. And that, but you know, I would always be sort of waiting for the sale and hoping that they had the right um sizes and colours and things in the sale because it was like, oh gosh, no, that does feel a bit of a a bit of a stretch, especially when you know, compared to buying a lot of stuff secondhand. Um, but to be able to have that and just go and all that, you know, it's just so lovely, isn't it? All of it's all of those brands that you've mentioned, yeah. their clothes are just gorgeous. And um, so to be able to sort of have that like, oh, yeah, no, I can get that. I can get those really lovely clothes and I don't have to wait until Christmas and ask grandparents to do it. We can have those and we can do it and with a uh, sort of clearer conscience as well. Yeah. And, and what we're able to do, because you, you talked about, you know, kids are hard on their clothes, but the difference between us and kind of giving it to a charity or whatever is when, when the clothes come back to us, we remove the stains and we repair things. So we keep them in as great a com- as great condition as, as we can possibly keep them in. So we're kind of making sure that it's a bit like anything, isn't it? If you let dirt on a, in a kitchen build up over time, it gets to a point where it's impossible to get right, rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so every time those those garments come up, come back to us, we're making getting them back into great condition, which means they just last that that element you know that bit longer yeah uh, and as you say they're, they're great condition anyway um oh sorry great quality anyway but we we've got quite good at getting rid of all sorts of random things i even got out some dry wipe marker and i no. thought you because yes i did I got that's impossible marker. charlotte you've worked magic that doesn't that's not I'm possible i'm gonna send you the photographs um, <sighs> it took me about 15 minutes of like <laughs> really having it but i know my it was my own my own daughter drew on the front of her rented t-shirt with a dry wipe marker oh um, and I almost cried and then I thought no this is a really good challenge and, and I got it out and that's it. like we insure the clothes so you know what we don't want parents to be thinking the whole time their kid is in their, in their rented clothes is, oh my god oh my god oh my god yes don't of eat course. that don't go near the tomato sauce don't <laughs> exactly and we do ask people to look to be careful you know but more because that's more sustainable you know yes. it is worth just putting a bib on them if you can yeah. or you know making sure they're covered up when they're painting because that does mean that clothes will last longer yes. from a sustainability perspective but bottom line the clothes are insured because we don't want you know parents having to stress about that but we can we can get a lot of the stains out um you know nearly all of them right you are not getting away without telling us the secret of how to remove dry wipe marker come on <laughs> uh i can't remember what i did now i basically drowned it in stain remover for about 10 minutes I kept doing it and dabbing it and dabbing it right. and dabbing it and then I have this incredible um stain removal bar which is called Dr Reiner uh write it down everybody yes, you can get I'll it on Amazon it. but yeah, if yeah, you yeah. buy it all and I can't get it anymore I'll be really annoyed <laughs> uh, but Dr Reiner is the best stain how do you spell remover that how do you spell Reiner in the world it's incredible um I don't I don't know them I'm not affiliated with them R-E-I-N-E-R <laughs> uh, okay um I think that's it anyway I have no affiliation with them. I came across it. I think I came across it in Sustainable-ish, actually. I think someone in Sustainable-ish recommended it. Um, and it's been a lifesaver. So, yeah, I will send you the photographs. I might do a little post and tag you with it. Definitely. That's <laughs> such good social media content, Charlotte. Get on that. So any other tips for stain removal then? Um, do you know, there's something that my customers often say to me they didn't realise, because we send out a little guide with our clothes, and it's not meant to be a you must do this, but it's a, like, yes. here are some helpful tips. And one thing that a lot of people don't realise, unless you use cloth nappies, most cloth nappy mums know this or dads, is cold water. So treat stains with cold water right. first because hot water can set the stains mm-hmm. in, particularly if they're protein-based. 
so it basically cooks the stains into the clothes ah. so as soon as you can with a stain before it's dried ideally but certainly before you've washed it in a hot wash get some cold water on it and then washing up liquid is incredible for nearly every stain particularly oh, wow. anything oily any bog basic washing up liquid that's it really and you've just got to keep going it's like anything like you do have to give it a couple of goes mm. like it won't look like it's coming out but then like four scrubs and rinses later you're like oh my god it's gone I didn't I didn't even notice it going and suddenly it's disappeared so yeah. I think yeah you do have to bear with it a little bit. Um, but sunshine. it's worth it because I think once a stain has been it's stuck and sunshine yes yeah, sunshine's brilliant on white clothes mm. sunshine actually sometimes doesn't work if a brand is used like a pre-treater, right. sometimes brands use a strange kind of bleach to make clothes whiter and the sun can actually make it go a yellow colour, oh, wow. which is annoying. Yeah, which is, but, but generally speaking, sunshine is really good. And if you're a cloth nappy user and you don't know this already, <laughs> get them out in the sunshine. It's amazing what it can do. Oh, my baby poo stains. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And you mentioned repair as well. And obviously I said we'd had Zoe talk on talking about her book and, and mending and things, but have you got any tips for some easy repairs that people can do? Or what's the thing that tends to, to go wrong, I guess, mostly with kids' clothes? One that's really good to, to know, as a not, not just as a parent, like I've used this on my own clothes, is ladder stitch. And I only discovered it quite recently, but it's amazing for tears. Um, and there's, we've got a video on our um, Instagram and Facebook account um, at the Little Loop Clothing. And it actually, it was amazing. We did it thinking it'd be a bit popular. And it, we got loads of really, really comments, people going, thank you. And that works amazingly for basically doing an almost invisible repair of a tear. And then I'm just actually teaching myself a new embroidery technique for holes. Um, oh, and I'm going to, I'll do a video of that as well. But you can basically like loop all the way around a hole and keep looping in until the hole's gone and turn it into like a pretty little flower or a sheet oh. like that. So what we tend to do, and we've not had a lot of damage, to be honest. Our customers have been incredible with the clothes. But if we do get a bit of damage, then we'll either invisibly repair it or we'll make a feature of it by doing some embroidery. Mm. So, you know, we're not basically making the clothes any less enjoyable for, for anybody. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you can get the the sort of gently worn and the... I can't remember what your other phrase was for the ones that were a bit more, <laughs> bit more well loved. What else was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something. Oh, just general kind of care then, uh, you know, washing. Like we always wash at 30. I'm, you'd probably hate me because I never separate our colours. I just chuck everything mm -hmm. in. Are there specific washing instructions and things that people have to follow? Well, not really. We've got some guidelines. So actually I wash at 30 because it's environmentally much mm. better and it also protects the clothes. But if something is really heavily stays, and I mm. tend to wash 40 as a one-off because basically the temperature is needed to activate detergents. So oh, okay. if your detergent's not brilliant particularly, but generally any, any detergent, like the hotter it is, the better it will activate it. So 40 is better for making your detergent work a little bit harder. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing I would say with kids' clothes, if, for example, you've had a spaghetti stain or a milk stain, <laughs> it's worth doing a 40 wash, just not all the time. Okay. Never, ever tumble dry. I know it's convenient. And I know as a parent, it's really tempting to just bung stuff in the tumble mm. dryer. But not only does it kind of, it misshapes the clothes. Right. It the clothes, it makes them bobble. But it also, um, it kind of breaks down the fibres. So they will, over time, they're more likely to perish quicker. Okay. Um, yeah, So because it's, it's just, I mean, you just, if you think about the physics of it, it's just literally making things rub together. Yeah. So, so tumble drying is a big no-no. And also clothes smell and just are generally so much nicer if you get them out on, a, on an error. 
Um, so that's that's a, that's a second tip. Make sure you use enough detergent is also really important. And it's something I learned through using cloth nappies, actually. A lot of people are tempted to just use those crappy, awful liquid tab things, which are basically, right. they're basically a marketing gimmick as far as I can tell. Oh, say. okay. And I know they make life seem a bit easier, but they generally don't have enough detergent in them oh, okay. for children's clothes. Also, they tend to come in a plastic box, which mm. is great. So we would, I'd rather use powder or liquid that I can measure. Right. Um, make sure you measure enough for your washing machine and for the level of soiling, because everyone's got a different size machine. So that sounds quite, um, oh God, that's going to be hard work. But the thing is, once you've done it once, yes. you just draw a line on where you need to measure to mm. measure at, and always use that same line. And actually, yeah. Stay, yeah, I think that's probably it, to be honest. It's not rocket science, but... Yeah. Um, but it's amazing that, I mean, I didn't know how to launder until I started using cloth nappies and it's just not something we learn, is it? Yeah. It seems like it should be so easy. And, and that, again, like chatting to my parent, to my customers, a lot of them have said, I actually don't know how to wash. And they're really sheepish about it. Like it's some, you know, terrible admission and it's not at all. Like we don't get taught how to do it. Mm. And it's not something that in our busy lives, we have time to think about, is it? Let's yeah. But yeah, it's not as hard as you think. Um, it's just, it's just takes, spend five minutes thinking about it and you'll always do the same thing and it'll always work. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. So some top tips there for um, keeping I'm so exciting, Jen, aren't I? <laughs> um, I'm just so gutted because at the moment you go up to um, age seven, don't you? Um, so 18 months up to age seven. You said you just launched age seven now. And my kids are just, so our eldest is nine, no, our eldest is 12 and the youngest is nine. And I'm just so gutted that these things always seem to come along just at, just too late for my kids to, because <laughs> I would have loved to use those. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, there's just not as much out there as kids get older. It, it, mm. and they might not quite grow as quickly, but like you say, if you just buy something at the wrong time, either just before they have a growth spurt mm. or just before the weather changes or something, you actually don't end up with clothes in your wardrobe for the year that you think you're going to end up with them in the wardrobe for. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we think it's just as important for older kids as it is for younger kids. And actually it can work better because if they're in uniform most of the time, yes. then they don't need as much in their wardrobe to supplement the uniform. And therefore mm. you kind of get bored of it because they say that if you're, if you're buying the right amount for what they need, you might only have, you know, four or five t-shirts and four yes. buttons. And actually, that's really boring. So what we enable people to just have the four or five, but then they can swap them after three yes. months and don't feel any extra guilt. So we're ho hoping it works, you know, almost better for older kids than it, than it does for younger kids. It's harder to pick up stuff as they get older. It's harder to find stuff secondhand, I think, you know, with the baby stuff and the and the younger kids as where they're growing so quickly, there is, you know, so much choice almost in the charity shops. But uh, it's definitely, you know, I've noticed as they get older that that, that sort of tails often becomes harder. So to know that there's a sort of a guilt-free option for buying um, or for, for getting, air quotes, new stuff for them, you know, that takes another massive headache away, I think. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, we hope so. Like I, my kids lived in hand-me-downs from my best friend for years, but, and she's amazing. She's incredibly diligent about storing stuff and passing wow. it down to us. And she's got it from her sister's-in-law. So a lot of those clothes yes. are six kids. But even she now, as her kids are getting older, she just doesn't have the time or the inclination, frankly, I think, yes. to sending it down to me. Um, so that's dried up, not because they don't have the clothes anymore. It's just that I think she finds it easier just to take them to her local charity. Mm. So I think, yeah, we're hopefully kind of filling in for that a bit. 
Um, yeah. But it, it works as a really good supplement for hand-me-downs. Just, you know, you can't always get what you want hand-me-down or handed down. And so mm. you can get the bits that you do need around the edges. Yeah. I was going to say final question. It's penultimate question. What mm. do you do with them when they are just too tired, too stained, too, you know, if they've got sort of unrepairable holes and things, what do you do with clothes at the end of their sort of life with you? It's a great question. We've actually not got there yet with any. Oh, Wow. First of all, because we're so new, I mean, we've been going almost a year now. Is it uh, only a year? It is only a year. We, we actually launched, Jen, in April, in at the beginning of coronavirus. It was That's mad. Really good timing. <laughs> yeah, so we've not got there with any of our clothes, which is also testament to the quality of them mm. and to the fact that people are treating them really well. Also, we because of our system of allowing people to choose what, when something's well-loved, we don't have to retire our clothes yes. especially as a lot of rental services do, because I think Mm. if you're renting always the same condition, technically speaking, you know, you don't let people choose when clothes get even remotely damaged or tired, tired them. So we can keep them going for probably six to 12 months longer than we might do otherwise. So we're hoping it's actually going to be quite a while before we get there. But um, when we do get there at the moment, they will be recycled. There's no, Mm -hmm. because the clothes aren't yet made to be decomposed or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've spoken with various um, charities who are experts in it, like the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And we'd like to partner with them so that they can benefit from it because they can make amount of revenue from, from it. So we probably will end up donating clothes to them. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but there'll be, a, there'll be a mixture of different things depending on, you know, the, the condition of the clothes and, and where they're at. But we will keep them going as long as we possibly can because to us, that's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. So the last question is, um, where can we come and find you online? Oh, thank you. That's a great question. <laughs> um, so we are thelittleloop.com, um, exactly as it sounds, the little loop, all one word, dot com. Come and have a look and discover our brands as well, because actually the thing we, the thing that also excites me a lot is that we're enabling people to discover brands that they may need mm. And we partner with our brands and they're, take, they're sharing the risk with us. They're incredible. They're all really brave and they're wow. all on this journey with us. So, um, yeah, that's the other thing. Come, come and browse and see our brands. And even if you choose not to rent, maybe just take away from what you've seen that these brands are putting their money where their mouth is and they're saying our clothes are good enough quality to rent. And uh, also from, from a brand's perspective as well, like for them to be supporting you, it almost feels counterintuitive. Like, well, why should we help you to, you know, for this, to keep these clothes going throughout six kids or eight kids when we could get eight times the revenue from selling eight of these? It kind of shows, as you said, that their money is where their mouth is in terms of, actually wanting you know the whole ethos is sustainability and reducing the impact of clothes every brand that we work with um has said to us this is the right thing to do we we're doing it because it's the right thing to do we we build quality into our clothes because we build and believe that's the right thing to Mm. do but we've well we've always struggled to make sure that the clothes were definitely guaranteed to go on life and so they work with us because you know they, they feel feel it's the right thing to do and, and in actual fact people who would buy the clothes full price maybe won't rent with us anyway and a lot right. of people work with us maybe as you said and as I was wouldn't I'd wait for the sales or yeah. so so then they're not losing business really and yeah they are all incredible and they've, they've taken a leap of faith with us and they've been so lovely to work with but yeah, as I say, I think if not if nothing else, it just says how much they believe in the quality of, of what they're yes. and, and we're seeing that. So 
and and you know send us feedback as well like what we're we we pride ourselves on listening to our customers and to our non-customers trying to change things to make it work for you like one of our we have company values as most startups these days do and one of them is empathy because we are genuinely trying to build something that works for parents yeah we literally do speak to our customers as often as we can they're probably sick of us because we're constantly (laughs) like ask you another question yeah 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 um, yeah but we do listen to that and when we you know if it's within our power we will change things to help people so so send us feedback if you think it's a dreadful idea send us feedback and tell us why yeah tell, but tell us what you'd rather see instead yeah um, absolutely and you know and and ask questions and and all that sort of thing because you can't I I found this as well you know I I know what what I like and what works for me and my assumption is well that's the same for everybody because obviously I'm thinking you know entirely correctly and everybody must think like (laughs) me but then you realize oh god no like other people don't think like that and we're not maybe we're not so normal after all (laughs) exactly I think it's good to not be normal Jen (laughs) (laughs) oh brilliant thank you so much Charlotte and really good luck as you sort of grow and expand and thank you so much for your time Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And so nice to see you, Jen. Take care. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.